Hello, and welcome to another episode of God's Unfolding Promise to Mend the Entire Cosmos, the official podcast of Grace Lutheran Church's Confirmation Class. And this week, or this month, I should say, we are looking at chapter 10 in, God, in Dan Erlander's Manna and Mercy. Chapter 10 is called God's Surprise. We've talked a little bit about Jesus. We've discussed a little bit about the context in which Jesus lived. It was during the first century CE or AD, depending which one you're more familiar with. A time when the ancient Mediterranean world was really dominated by Rome. And Palestine, Judah, and Galilee was under Roman control. Uh, throughout some of Jesus' life, it was under direct Roman control. Uh, in other parts of that area, they were under Roman control through a client king. But nonetheless, it was under Roman control. And so today we begin, or this time we begin, ad yeah, addressing the question of why did Jesus have to die? And we will look at it more specifically because we'll actually maybe get out um, and read the Bibles and read that first part of Luke in the Christmas story. And we are very familiar with the idea of Jesus being born in a manger with the animals and the shepherds and all of that kind of thing. But we often sort of forget how Luke starts. And Luke's gospel starts, not Luke's gospel, I should say, the story of Jesus' birth starts. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration, and was taken while Quinarius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, called Bethlehem, because he was a descendant from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, who he was expecting a child. And then while there, it came time for the child, and you know, the whole thing with the innkeeper, and now they end up in the manger. The part that we often sort of gloss over is that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. And who was Caesar Augustus? Well, Caesar Augustus was the emperor and the very first emperor of the Roman world. He is the one who was said to have essentially saved the world. He brought a roughly a hundred year period or so of civil war to an end. He is the one who brought good news, uh, security to the people. The whole world, now with Augustus as emperor, was at peace. And Roman ideas, the whole world essentially extended to the, more or less to the border of the Roman world. Uh, beyond, and, and to be honest with you, at those borders, there was still a lot of conflict. The next dozen or so emperors would continue to conquer more and more territories, sometimes gaining, sometimes losing, etc. But essentially this whole idea is that we have kind of two competing claims about who is really sort of the savior of the world and who is the one responsible for bringing about world peace. On the one hand, Luke is very clear to kind of make sure that we understand that, that those are claims that are being made by Augustus and by Quirin... 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 Quirin uh, and by the governors. On the other side, we have the angels proclaiming to the shepherds, glory to 
glory to you and peace upon earth to all whom God shows favor. And we had Mary sing about the favor that God has shown her and all those who are like her, the lowly. And so already here at the very beginning of Luke's gospel, we are beginning to get, we get that notion of why it is that Jesus was killed. Why would, and here's the question I think to kind of ask and that we'll talk more about, why would Rome want to get rid of Jesus? He doesn't seem like much of a threat. So why would Rome want to get rid of this baby who was born in a manger? But we're going to move beyond sort of the birth of Jesus. We're also going to talk a little bit about John the Baptist. And here, kind of pay attention um, to some other connections with where John is being, baptizing folks. Is he baptizing them in a city or is he baptizing them somewhere else? And he's it is It is somewhere else. And that's somewhere else. Does that ring any bells, and this is especially true for those of you who are in your second year, any bells with something that we have talked about in the past? And here might be Moses. As we move kind of through him being baptized, we get this, I think what to us is a somewhat weird confrontation between him and the devil. And we will spend a fair amount of time talking about this, but I, I really want to sort of draw you uh, draw your attention to page 42 and look and, uh, and think about how the definitions of power are different. How is essentially the devil or, or Satan is probably the better way of saying that, is Satan describing power and what power would entail. Does that power have any association or is it any, any connection to the way Rome might describe power? Uh, or how power, or what about our world today? How do we talk about power? Are there any similarities between Satan's way and the way that power often is talked about today. And then we have to look at how Jesus responds to essentially Satan's challenge. And again, note where it takes place, because I think this is important for understanding what, what's kind of going on here. But then also note how Jesus defines power. Is it the same? Or is there, are there some significant differences? How does Jesus' version of power compare with what we understand and how we understand power in the world today, in our modern-day world, uh, at school or wherever you happen to be? Those are the kind of questions that we're going to look at and explore a little bit more in this month's confirmation class. God's surprise. And what exactly that surprise is because we already know that jesus is coming but what is that surprise thank you for joining us and i hope that you will uh join us again thank you